It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Agriculture Conversation here on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. It's been a few weeks from our last show, took a little time off, my wife and I took a trip to Italy. We've been married for over a year and a half, but finally made time for our honeymoon. It was great to see all the architecture, the food, and the history, but very happy to be back right here in beautiful Bozeman, Montana. Now I'd like to thank the Montana Farm Bureau for being the sponsor of today's podcast. Now today, we're going to be talking about the sheep industry and how the impact of trade has really hindered the opportunity for sheep producers on raw wool and for their pelts as well. Joining us all the way from Washington, D.C. today is my friend Chase Adams with the American Sheep Industry Association. Chase, how are things out in Washington, D.C. today? Hey, Lane, good to be with you. It's uh, it's great. Fall is definitely in the air here in the nation's capital, but uh, we're going to muddle through and hopefully get a few things done before the year wraps out. You know, that that is the hope out in the countryside. It's a pretty tough go for farmers and ranchers, and, you know, it's been pretty decent for uh, the, the sheep industry for the past few years. Uh, we've had some wins, no doubt, but as these trade negotiations with China are, are really showing some signs of progress, American sheep producers are, are really being hit hard on raw wool and pelt prices, mainly due to those retaliatory tariffs. Could you walk our listeners through what those retaliatory tariffs look like and, and the impact that is having on the, the U.S. sheep sector? Yeah, absolutely, Lane. You know, we're uh, from a market standpoint, for the for the lamb market, we're we're doing better than than a lot of other folks out there in agriculture. But one thing we're hearing uh, we're hearing all the time now is just the impact that these tariffs from China have had on U.S. wool exports. Uh, China has been a, a top destination for U.S. raw wool for many years. Uh, the manufacturing base over there is uh, is just unparalleled in the world. And unfortunately, when they instituted uh, the retaliatory tariffs, uh, wool and, uh, and pelts, sheepskins, uh, both got hit. And what we saw was uh, an 84% drop in volume and an 85% drop in the value of uh, U.S. raw wool, uh, U.S. raw wool exports to China. So that has, has hit our guys pretty hard. You know, you depend on, on the uh, on a number of products coming off of these critters to make this work, the lamb and the wool have to work together to uh, to make an operation profitable. And when uh, uh, when we see a wreck like we like we're seeing right now in this wool market, that really uh, really hits hard. Uh, we of course have appreciated the USDA for uh, doing what they can to help uh, ease producers through uh, these trade uh, trade disputes. Uh, we had advocated that uh, that raw wool be included in the secretary's uh, payments to producers. Unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to get that done. Now we did see some we did see some benefits. So they did do a uh, a lamb buy and uh, also uh, some additional funds in uh, in trade promotion. So we we appreciate that, but. Uh, Unfortunately, for producers out there on the ground, that uh, you know that doesn't really doesn't really trickle down as quickly as as they need it. But uh, in the wool market, I believe we've got a program that's uh, uh, that, that we're going to be able to make work to get uh, get producers a little bit of relief to help them kind of get over this uh, uh, 
uh, make it through here as we uh, as we continue the trade negotiations, the wool loan deficiency program. So, I think we've got a I think we've got a solution. We're working hard toward it to get some producers some relief there on the ground. Well, Chase, I, I want to ask you a few more questions about USDA leaving the, the sheep industry out on those uh, assistant payments. But uh, we're going to take a quick sponsor break. We'll be back right after this. As a Montana Farm Bureau member, you have access to a lot of valuable benefits. Now you can have your savings on the go with the Farm Bureau Member Benefits app. The app will show you where you can use your membership discounts with Granger, Case IH, Choice Hotels, John Deere, and more. Plus, with the app, your membership card is on your phone for easy access. It's free. Download the app today. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Farm Bureau Benefits app. Montana Farm Bureau, we care for the country. Returning back to our conversation with the American Sheep Industry Association's Chase Adams. Uh, Chase, we were just talking about how uh, American sheep producers were not really included in parts of the market facilitation program for raw wool and for pelts. What was USDA's reasoning? Did, did the industry receive a reason or, or have a conversation with those at USDA about why they were excluded and while other commodities such as corn and soybeans are, are benefiting from that? We did. And, you know, USDA has been tremendously supportive and uh, this administration has, has done, uh, you know, really everything they can to try to uh, try to ensure that producers out there uh, are able to are able to make it through as uh, as long negotiations are, are going to continue so uh, we really appreciate uh, appreciate USDA's efforts unfortunately you know as as the MFP program was uh, was coming together uh, USDA just didn't really feel like there was a way to uh, uh, include wool and pelts uh, in a uh, you know, in a, in a convenient and, and cost-effective uh, uh, delivery. But like I say, uh, that, that doesn't really end the discussion for us because we have for many years had the whole loan deficiency uh, program, uh, which provides uh, payments to producers uh, based on the market price of, uh, of wool. And so what we have been looking at is uh, that program, like I say, has been very effective in the past. And so what we have been looking at is looking at ways to uh, ensure that the uh, numbers reported over to, to the foreign or over to the uh, Farm Service Agency accurately reflect the market conditions out there in the field uh, in such a way that we can trigger that wool LDP. Uh, wool prices are reported on a on a voluntary basis. And so there is some, you know, there's some work, some investigation that has to go in to uh, incorporate those prices. And uh, that's that's what we're working on right now is working between uh, the Ag Marketing Service, uh, the price reporting uh, facilities there and uh, and our wool warehouses and, and wool buyers to ensure that the, the prices that are getting paid are being uh, reflected in the USDA's reporting, uh, which then in turn we are, are hopeful will uh, will translate into this program uh, triggering and, and kicking in for producers. Uh, you know, unfortunately, in the sheepskin uh, pelt market, we have seen a real hit, and producers are feeling that. That product that uh, was once a, a tremendous value to the uh, uh, to the lamb carcass, now that product is uh, it, it's you know essentially producers are paying two to five dollars to have uh, uh, have that pelt rendered down, so they're actually getting a discount. 
uh, for that pelt. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's really the rub here. And that's where I believe that this wool LDP program can come in and, and help some guys out. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we all want to see an, an, an end to the trade situation and, and have terms that are beneficial for all of U.S. agriculture and that uh, programs aren't needed. But uh, when they are needed, they, they do benefit the industry. And one other issue, Chase, that I, we're, we're really talking a lot about wool here today, but could you maybe walk our listeners through more about how the United States is going to be imposing tariffs on U.K. wool? What will that do to the, the wool industry across the, the world, of course, because our markets are, are very uh, um, are, are determined by the international market. So what what is there benefits for U.S. producers or how, how does that impact the wool industry itself? You know, as we look at uh, as we look at the U.K. and that situation that uh, that is continuing to develop. Uh, I don't see an immediate um, impact. Uh, we're not bringing in a lot of uh, uh, we're not bringing in a lot of wool. We're bringing in you know really uh, no uh, no raw wool from uh, uh, from the uh, from the UK. But we are uh, bringing in some fabric, so there might be some uh, you know there certainly could be some some impact there. Um, the price of really, your suit might go up. The price of your suit might go up. You know, you might see a couple other. Uh, uh, there might be some. You know, there might be some discounts as you look around to some other uh, manufacturing countries. Uh, so that's kind of where that's going to hit. But yeah, not a. You know, I'm not looking at a really big impact here in the near term uh, for that. Uh, China really is where where our okay. eyes are focused. Um, but I would say, you know, as, as long as we're talking about the UK, I, I do think that. Uh, as they continue to uh, settle out what uh, uh, what an exit from the European Union looks like, uh, one thing that we are we are watching very closely is uh, their push for bilateral trade negotiations with the U.S. Uh, we know that uh, the U.K. lamb market is a subsidized lamb market. Uh, they they do significant subsidies to uh, uh, to their producers, uh, and they're a significant lamb producing uh, market and. Uh, we are uh, concerned and we have urged uh, Congress and the administration to take a cautious approach as they look at uh, any kind of a trade deal uh, when it comes to lamb. Because the last thing that uh, the producers in the U.S. need is a unfairly subsidized product coming in and uh, competing with us on price. So we have uh, we have urged that that fits uh, right in with the administration's efforts on on fair trade and a level playing field. So. I think that uh, while we need to continue to be uh, vigilant on that, I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, uh, we'll continue to uh, uh, just hammer that message home. Now, as you uh, wandered the halls of Congress, just talking with decision makers and with the agencies, USMCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement, uh, the replacement of the North American Free Trade Agreement is on the minds of uh, producers across the nation. Uh, what are you hearing out there? A lot of folks are concerned about how the impeachment process that the Democrats are pushing forward, that how that could possibly throw off the the movement and the passage of USMCA. Some say that's not going to happen. What, what are you hearing out in the Beltway? You know, we are strong supporters of the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, and this has been a cornerstone of uh, of the trump administration and uh, and their efforts at 
negotiating and, and renegotiating these deals. Uh, what I'm what I'm worried about is as I, you know, look to the look to the tea leaves. I look more to the calendar. I guess it is, and we are we are running out of time. Congress has a, a very limited amount of time here to get uh, uh, to get the budget for the next year done. Uh, I'm optimistic uh, about what I'm hearing on spending bills. Uh, working their way through in advance of, I think it's November 21st that uh, uh, that we run out of the uh, last uh, continuing resolution. We have a lot of priorities sitting out there as we always do in these uh, in these various spending bills, and so uh, with the conversations around impeachment taking taking air out of the room, uh, must pass issues like uh, like those spending bills and appropriations uh, uh, yet in front of us. And then, you know, just the congressional calendar that we that we all look at. I mean, we're heading into uh, uh, we're heading into a lot of back to back holidays, a lot of big holidays. So there's not a whole lot of uh, legislative time. We have a lot of nominees that are sitting up there uh, yet to be confirmed. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of requests for floor time. And uh, I'm just I, I'm just very concerned that we're. Uh, we're running pretty short on time, and the the conversations that that I've heard that while they are optimistic on on getting bipartisan support, there's some uh, there's some pockets of uh, of partisan resistance out there, and I guess I'm just uh, I'm just not uh, not tremendously optimistic at this point that uh, that that can get resolved given the given the pressure that we're under. And with that H2A. Uh the legal workforces that so many in agriculture rely on for, for migrant workers, that's completely on the back burner probably at this point. You know, a really big positive effort is, is going on right now, uh, being led by uh, Mr. Newhouse out of uh, Washington State, as well as uh, Congressman Simpson uh, out of Idaho and many others, uh, a bipartisan immigration effort. Uh, they have uh, just uh, just seeing a little bit of language and some uh, some documents on that right now. The Farm Workforce Modernization Act. Uh, so we are we are hopeful. This is a, a discussion that uh, that has come up. We lost a really great opportunity at H two A reform with uh, Chairman Goodlatte and, and his bill in the last Congress, but. Uh, uh, this group of bipartisan lawmakers has uh, has pulled together this Farm uh, Workforce Modernization Act, uh, bringing in a lot of a lot of what uh, what Mr. Goodlatte had had pulled together, and so there's there's momentum there, and uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of drive to get something done because we all know that we need to have uh, we need to have something done on that front. So I am. I am hopeful. Again, I'm, I'm cautiously hopeful, but uh, we have a little bit more time there. And the folks that uh, uh, that are driving this are, are go-getters. Uh, we've got bipartisan support, and so uh, we are uh, we are certainly going to be uh, very supportive. A couple issues yet to be worked out uh, for the sheep industry. H2A and labor is is a tremendous uh, priority for us. Uh, we have special procedures that uh, that have been in place in the Department of Labor for many, many years. Uh, for over 50 years, our industry has relied on a, a legal year-round workforce to care for uh, about half of the nation's uh, use. So uh, this is this is something that always hits uh, very near and dear to uh, uh, to us. And 
and we're hopeful to get uh, some of these special procedures uh, codified through whatever vehicle it is that moves. But like I say, I think we've got some uh, we've got some good momentum moving right now. Well, that's really good to hear. Uh, just with with all the drama going out. Uh, and uh, fueling the, the, the news media lately out in the Beltway. That, that's great to hear that that is moving forward. Let's cross our fingers that uh, something actually does take place and it can be signed into law. Uh, a lot of these issues will be discussed and more policy will be set, no doubt, at the 2020 Convention of the American Sheep Industry Association. That's coming up January 22nd through the 25th in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Chase, what is the agenda looking like uh, here early before before we go into 2020 and, and to this year's convention? You know, I think we're going to have another great convention. Scottsdale is always a big draw uh, with a lot of folks up north. They're looking for a they're looking for a reason to go down and have a little bit of fun and get some business done. So Scottsdale in January, I think, is going to be a, a very strong turnout for us. It's also, you know, it happens to be uh, pretty drivable for a for a lot of sheep country. So I think we're we're sitting in a in a pretty strong spot. Uh, we've had uh, there's a lot of excitement in our industry, as as you mentioned. You know, we've had a lot of. Uh, uh, we've had a lot of wins, a lot of wins on the federal lands front, a lot of wins on uh, on reconciling uh, uh, some of the issues with uh, with bighorn sheep and and ensuring that we can keep domestic sheep producers out there on the range. And uh, the farm bill was was pretty strong for us as well. So you know, there's uh, I think there's uh, there's definitely some things that are going to drive us in uh, in a positive way and have folks uh, pretty excited as they come into uh, into Scottsdale. Uh, we're putting the program together now. I know that uh, as we fill out some of these committee agendas, I mean, I'm already full to overflowing with uh, <laughs> with the speakers that we've got and, and speakers that want to come down and, and visit with sheep producers. I fully expect we'll have a strong a strong contingent from uh, uh, from the USDA and the uh, administrative leadership. So. Uh, it should be a it should be another great year, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. That convention is always what uh, rejuvenates you to go out and and fight the battles again uh, in the hills, uh, the halls of Congress, and and elsewhere. So uh, I, I sure hope the folks are out there and are interested. Uh, check it out at sheepusa.org. Registration isn't open yet, but boy, it will be here pretty soon. Nope, looking forward to uh, attending this year's event down there January 22nd through the 25th in Scottsdale. Mainly I'm excited about the warm weather because Montana about that time of the year is most likely going to be in the uh, single digits to the negative digits. So uh, I look forward to seeing all of our uh, ASI friends from across the nation there in Scottsdale. Chase, anything else that you want to let our listeners know about here today before we wrap up today's conversation? Well, I tell you, you sure hit it on the head thinking about Scottsdale. We were out for the Public Lands Council meeting in Great Falls, Montana at the end of <laughs> September and already got a big dose of winter right there. So it might be a year when uh, when you want to start buying those plane tickets early just in case uh, you start getting cabin fever about January because oh, the wet weather we've had uh, in, in, so much of, uh, in so much of the West and the High Plains has, uh, has certainly... It certainly kind of makes you think about just what this winter is going to look like. But, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're working on a lot of priorities, and uh, I'm hopeful that we can get a few of these across the finish line in, in Congress yet this, uh, uh, yet this year and, and into, uh, into early next. 
and uh, I, you know, I see a tremendous amount of optimism for the U.S. sheep industry, and and uh, we're going to continue to continue to plow forward. Well, it's great to hear, Chase, and thanks for taking some time here at the end of your day uh, with all your work out in Washington, D.C., on behalf of the nation's sheep producers. Friends, for more information on ASI, the American Sheep Industry Association, visit them at sheepusa.org. That will do it for today's agriculture conversation right here on the LaneCast. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.